This message was recorded on the campus of Watchta Hills College. For more information, visit our website, www.ohc.org. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it, Thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. God is good. Come on. God is good. And all the time. Psalm 100 verse 1. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth. Finish it for me. To all generations forever. I welcome you to the house of God. To worship God in spirit and in truth. Jesus said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. John 4, 24. Spirit is not noise. Spirit is simply that conformity to thus saith the Lord. By the way, the spirit is called the spirit of truth. There are some who presume to worship in spirit, but not in truth. You must have both spirit and truth. Anything other than that, and God cannot accept it any more than he accepted Aaron's service when they worshiped that golden calf. He rejected it. Absolutely, it was not based on truth. May the Lord give us an increasing love for plain and simple truth. Why? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 17, verse 17. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse uh, 3. 
This is the will of God, even your sanctification. It is God's will you and I be sanctified. The method of sanctification is the word of God. And the word of God is truth. Last night, I met two persons who were not Seventh-day Adventists. Is there anyone present this morning for the first time this weekend? You are not a Seventh-day Adventist. May your hand. First time this weekend, you are not a Seventh-day Adventist. May I see your hand. Anyone? No one? All right. May I offer an unsolicited suggestion? Anytime you meet, whenever possible, except for board meeting and church and uh, business meeting, invite someone if you can. Perhaps you don't have the ready access where you are in this place, but whenever you can, invite someone. An invitation is a soul-winning strategy, and it requires no special gifts, talents, or academic degrees. Let me tell you a quick story, then I'll jump into the message. I was in Uganda a long time ago to conduct an evangelistic series. I was in the lobby of the hotel where I was staying, and I saw a young lady. I began talking to her, and she told me she was in the army. She was guarding a diplomat from another country. The diplomat was in her room. She was on break, and a fellow soldier was guarding the diplomat. Then I told her why I was in Uganda, and I told her, I want you to come to the meetings. She said, I'll come, but I have no transportation. And so I said, a car will pick me up at 5.30. If you are ready in the lobby, we'll take you. She was ready. That was the first night. We took her. She came. She came every single night. That's about 2002, 20 years ago. What do you think happened at the end of the crusade? She got baptized. Because someone issued a plain and simple invitation. I still communicate with her by WhatsApp. She lives in Germany now. Still faithful to God. An invitation. I was in Uganda, not Uganda, Tanzania, the very next year. Same purpose, evangelistic series. And I was looking for a gym so I can work out. And uh, the local elder was with me, and I told him to tell the young lady, the receptionist, why I was in her country. And I want her to come. Again, that was the first day of the crusade. She said, I'll come. She came that first night. She came Every night, finish the story, she got baptized. Invitations are powerful, soul-winning tools. Instead of inviting your friend to get into trouble, invite your friend to come to church with you and to listen to the word of God. Somebody say amen. A lot of people are in graveyards because a friend invited them to do something. A lot of people are in drug rehabilitation programs because a friend invited them to do something. A lot of people are in prison because a friend invited them to do something. Let it be said that a lot of people will be in God's kingdom because students at OHA invited their friends to come hear the word of God. Can you say amen? All right, enough of that. Our subject for today, I do solemnly swear. This side, what did I say? All right. Before I get into the message, if you don't need one of these as a Bible text, Please make sure it's turned off. Let me check mine. I have to put this down. Make sure yours are off as well, if you don't need them. Let me tell you another story. I was in Boston several years ago. I'm not a story man, but this came to me. There was a camp meeting held in a hotel. You work that out yourself. And uh, I was in my room waiting for my turn to speak. And I was in my room literally pacing up and down, reading the Bible on the phone. And at the, at the bottom of the phone, these little apps appear. Am I right? Or these little advertisements? You see them? 
This one, here's a preacher reading the Bible, getting ready to preach. And an advertisement came on the bottom. How to date Asian women. All I needed to do was to take one of these ten fingers and tap it. And a gallery of faces would have popped up. This can never happen with this. Uh, Is this mic working? (laughs) That can never happen with this. Are you following me? Now, when you turn to your phones, and phones have a legitimate purpose in society, what is also on the phone beside the text of the Bible? WhatsApp, am I right? Instagram, am I right? Email, am I right? Skype, am I right? You name them. Snapchat, come on, you name them, you know them. Some of them, they may be your middle name. Come on, tell me what they are. You know what they are. So that a temptation exists once you open this to go look at your picture gallery and look at the boyfriend you took from your best friend. Are you following me? These temptations do not exist with this. When you open this, what do you have? Thus saith the Lord, and what else? Nothing else. So I'm old-fashioned, wherever possible, get one of these and use this if you need a calculator. All right. Favor number two, while I'm speaking, pray for me and say, Lord, put your words in that man's mouth. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 9, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in thy mouth and I want to speak God's words. Favor number two, three. Think as you listen. Isaiah one eighteen. come now, let us do what? Reason together. Here's an example that God gives us. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. If thou hast run with the footmen, come on, you know that verse? And they have what? Weary thee. How then canst thou contend with the horses? What is God saying? Think. Use your head. If you cannot keep up with a man, how do you plan to keep up with a horse? God calls upon us to think. I've been dating this young man for six months. In those six months, I fight more with my parents. My Bible study has gone down. My grades have gone down. Uh, I no longer go to church. Something is wrong. Think. Get rid of him. Are you listening to me? Or her? I joined a gym trying to lose weight. After three months, I'm 30 pounds heavier. Something is wrong. Think. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of life. Thank you, dear God, for this high honor of speaking for you. It is a privilege angels would love to exercise. But you've given it to sinners such as I. I'm grateful, dear God. If you help me, Father, I'll do all I can to represent the truth aright. Speak through me, dear Father. Let the Spirit give me impressions. Put your words in my mouth and the humility of Christ in my heart. Bless everyone listening, dear God. Speak to them individually, Father. And if someone did not identify himself or herself as a guest, a non-SDA, give a special blessing to that person. Remember your people in Ukraine, Father. I pray for members of the household of faith first. Be merciful to them and for the country at large. Bless the government of this country, dear God. Remind them that righteousness exalteth a nation. Bless OHA in everything this institution does, that this institution may prepare many for the soon return of Christ. Bless the students, dear God, you love them so much, young, strong, full of energy. Use them for the advancement of the gospel, dear God, and bless their families. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What's our subject? This side.
Too slow that time. I solemnly swear, or I do solemnly swear, in Article 2, Section 1, Clause 8 of the United States Constitution, we have these words. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. That is the presidential oath, and the wording is actually in the Constitution of the United States. So he can't choose or she his or her own wording, it is prescribed, it is laid out. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. This country, its foundation stone of its activity is the Constitution. Any law that is unconstitutional is supposed to be gotten rid of. Everything must be in accordance with the Constitution. I suspect every nation has a Constitution. When some people uh, conduct a coup and they overthrow a legitimate government, they immediately suspend the Constitution of that country in order that they might exercise tyrannical rule. The Constitution is the guide for any nation, particularly this nation of ours, the United States. Every country, every government has a constitution. Let me say it again. Every government has a constitution, including the government of God. Including the government of God. In Patriarchs and Prophets, page 49, Paragraph 1. I hope you'll write these references down. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 49. Paragraph 1. God placed man under law as an indispensable condition of his very existence. He was a subject of the divine government and there can be no government without law. Law and government are inseparable. There can be no government in heaven or earth without law. And the law of God is the constitution of the government of God. The law of God is the foundation of God's government in heaven. It is also the foundation of God's government on earth. Say the Lord's Prayer with me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, now carefully and microscopically, thy will be done in earth, come on, as it is in heaven. What is the will of God? The will of God is the law of God. And Jesus said, God's governmental foundation stone must be the foundation stone for his kingdom on earth. The Ten Commandments which represent the standard of conduct in heaven. That's the same standard God requires of us on this earth, so that the government of God should be represented by his believers on this earth. 
Hawaii is one of the 50 states, but it is hundreds and hundreds of miles removed from the contiguous 48 states. Alaska is part of the United States, hundreds of miles removed from the 48 contiguous states. What makes Alaska part of the United States? What makes Hawaii part of the United States is what? The Constitution. They function by the same Constitution, regardless of the distance that Alaska is to the United States because of Canada and Hawaii because of the Pacific Ocean. This earth is one of the states of heaven. L.Y. says, God created the world to enlarge heaven. Let me say it again. God, Ukraine is under invasion by the Russian army. And if Russia succeeds, Ukraine will become, finish my words, a part of Russia. A few years ago, Russia invaded the southern part of Ukraine, I believe it is, and took over an area called what? The Crimea. That is now part of Russia. Are you following me? When God made this earth, he made it to be an extension of heaven so that all the standards of heaven would apply to this earth. We know sin entered, but God's standards do not change. You're saying to yourself, why am I saying that? Let us go to Exodus 25. As we continue, I do solemnly swear. We read some verses with which you are intimately familiar as Seventh-day Adventists. Exodus 25. We read from verse 8. Let me pray again. Father in heaven, as I continue, tighten your grip on my faculties, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. This is always God's desire to dwell intimately with his people. No wonder Jesus says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you where? Unto myself. Because that is not the relationship we have with Christ on a three-dimensional basis. Yes, through the Spirit, he indwells us, but we can't touch him. That's not enough. Christ is coming back so that where I am, there you may be also. Clearly, we're not where he is. Christ, God believes in close relationships. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Verse 10. And they shall make an ark of shitting wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof. A cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt make what? And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, without and within shalt thou overlay it, and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. God is giving Moses instructions for the construction of his throne. Verse 17. And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubims of what? Gold. Of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. Now, we have the box, which is the ark. We have the mercy seat, the lid. We have two cherubims. And make one cherub on the one end 
and the other cherub on the other end, even of the mercy seat, shall he make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. Verse 20, and the cherubim shall spread forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one to another. Towards the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be. What is the Bible telling us? The two angels were facing each other, but not looking at each other. They were looking down. What's down? The mercy seat. What's under the mercy seat? Look at verse 21. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark. And in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. What is the testimony? Tell me quickly. The Ten Commandments. Yes. So we have the box, the lid, and on the inside, the Ten Commandments. Now, carefully, microscopically, read verse 22. And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from where? From above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are on the ark of the testimony, finish that verse now, of all things, of what? Of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Anything I say, says God, it comes from right here. Now where is right here? The throne of God. God is called he who sitteth between the cherubims. Go to Psalm 99 quickly. Psalm 99. Let's read verse 1. Our subject, I do solemnly swear. Do you have Psalm 99? Verse 1. If you have my version, read for me. What does that say? The Lord reigneth, come on, let the people tremble. Keep reading now. He sitteth. Ah, yes. Let the earth be moved. Now, those two statements are virtually identical. The Lord reigneth. Let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. He reigns. That's, where, that's the place from which he reigns. Between the cherubim. That's his throne. A throne. Now, what is in the throne? The Ten Commandments. Then what is the foundation of God's government? The, ten, the, the law. Let me say it again. The law of God is the foundation of his universal government for heaven and for earth. What's the foundation stone of the United States government? The constitution. God's constitution is his law. Now, how is the United States quickly identified, particularly in foreign countries? How do you know that's U.S. possession, U.S. territory, U.S. whatever? The flag. You see, no one sees the Constitution. It's somewhere locked up somewhere. You don't see it. It's not all over the place in every supermarket you come to. Everywhere you go, you see a flag. The flag is the visual symbol of this nation. And in many schools, people pledge allegiance to the flag and for the country it represents. God has a flag for his government. It's visual. It's open. It is seen. Let's go look at that flag. We took a look at all glory, the star and spangled, the star spangled banner. Let's look at God's flag. Let us go to uh, Ezekiel 20. What's our subject? I do solemnly swear. It's 11.56. I don't recall when I began. But please don't panic. 
Ezekiel chapter 20, let's read verse 12. Have you found Ezekiel? I can still hear pages turning. Do we have it now? Are my handsome brother still looking? <laughs> Go ahead, it's okay. <laughs> Somebody help him. Ezekiel chapter 20. He may be little brother now, 10 years from now, he may be conference president. You just don't know. Now read that verse for me. Moreover also I gave them my Sabbaths to be what? A sign between, stop, a sign between me and them, not me and the world. Me and them, but the world must recognize it, that they might know what? That I am the Lord that doth sanctify them. You'll find similar words in Ezekiel 20, verse 20, Exodus 31, 12, 13. The flag of God's government is the Sabbath. Are you with me? That flag is seen where God's Sabbath keepers are seen. Let me say it again. God's government has a flag. That flag is the Seventh-day Sabbath. The single most important of the Ten Commandments. When the scribe came to Christ in Mark chapter 12, verse 28, and one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, we know that statement splits God's commandments into two tables. We know that. The first four, love for God. The next six, come on, love for your fellow human being. Where does the Sabbath fall? On the first four. Now, Ellen White was taken in vision. You can read this in early writings. Jesus showed her the Ten Commandments. She said, every one of them had a light. The first four had a brighter light than the next six. Because love for God must be greater than love for a fellow man. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. The first four had a brighter light than the next six. Then she said, the Sabbath was brightest of all. And it had a halo all around it. Not those pictures of angels with halos. The Sabbath had the brightest light. It had a halo. The Sabbath commandment is the flag of God's government. And the constitution of God's government is his law. Now, the president of the United States, the president-elect, he takes a vow. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States, and will to the best of my ability preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Do you know God's law is supposed to be preserved, protected, and defended? When God took Adam and put him in a garden to dress it and to keep it, the word keep means protect, treasure, defend this is how we are to love the law of God. We are to preserve, protect, defend, not simply by what we say, but by how we live. 
Now, God is calling upon you as citizens of his kingdom because literally you and I, by virtue of surrendering our lives to Christ, are literal citizens of the kingdom of God. One one person said, amen. Go to Philippians 3, quickly. Philippians 3. Do you have that? Not yet. Philippians 3, let's read from verse 20. Our subject, I do solemnly swear. Do you have it now? Read loud with me. For our conversation is where? Stop. The translation of conversation there is citizenship. Listen to me carefully. If you are a child of God, your first level of identification is not a U.S. citizen. It is a citizen of the kingdom of God. Every other level of identification falls second, third, or fourth. If that's not the case, you'll find yourself defending earthly governments above the government of God. You are first and foremost a a child of God's kingdom. That's why Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. That I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. He told Pilate, because my disciples are citizens of the heavenly kingdom, they don't fight. You are a citizen of God's kingdom. And God wants you to preserve, protect, and defend the constitution of his kingdom. What is that constitution? The law of God. Now let me show you what Christ came to do. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, let's read from verse 1. Our subject, I do solemnly swear. Three minutes after 12. You have Romans 8. Father in heaven, as I continue, continue to pour out your spirit upon me for your glory, dear God, and for the blessing of your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Read with me. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Read verse 4. That the righteousness of the law, come on, might be fulfilled where? In us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Jesus Christ, when he came, he preserved, he protected, and he defended the law of God. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, tell me the words, but to fulfill Jesus Christ, by his love, he exampled, he displayed that you and I, through faith in him, can preserve, protect, and defend the law of God. Do you understand, as Seventh-day Adventists, the issue in the last days, it has always been, but particularly the last days, is the law of God? When the Sunday law is passed... And those who choose it will have the mark of the beast. Those who oppose it will come under fierce persecution. How will you choose? 
Will you be able to say, I will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States? And based on the Sunday law, I, pres- I will preserve, protect, and defend the Sabbath commandment, not by fighting the government, but by obeying God. God, let me give an example of someone who did not use the word swear or affirm, but it amounted to the same thing. Go to Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1, we read from verse 14, our subject, I do solemnly swear. You have Ruth. Chapter 1, Ruth is an ancestor of Jesus Christ. A Moabitess. A country that practiced a terrible form of religion, but yet Christ had a relative from that country. If you study the genealogy of Christ, you can take hope. If you're a very bad person or whatever you may be, Christ has some shaky people in his line. But he can save any who come to him. Do you have Ruth chapter 1, reading from verse 14? And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Naomi was about to go back to her her home country, Palestine, and she was in Moab for about 10 years because there was a famine in her home. Now she's going back. Her two sons have died. She has two daughters-in-law who are widows now. And one daughter-in-law, Orpah, decides to stay. I'm going back. Stay where I'm familiar, my own people. Ruth made it evident she wants to follow Naomi. And she said, Behold, thy daughter-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, now read with me. Now this is equal to I do solemnly swear and affirm. Listen to Ruth. Read with me. And Ruth said what? Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, come on, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more, finish that verse, if aught but death part thee from me, only death can keep me from following you. Listen to verse 18. Read it for me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to the what? To go with her, finish the verse, she left speaking unto her. Let's apply that to the devil. As we continue, I do solemnly swear. Many times the devil keeps coming to us because he gets success. You see, when he tempted Christ three times, the Bible says he left him for a while. He was probably exhausted because Christ just hit him over the head with the Bible. It is written, it is written. So he took off to catch his breath. We must let the devil see that he's wasting time. Naomi realized, I am wasting time talking to Ruth. Why? Because Ruth, in a very practical sense, had solemnly sworn, I am following you. Where you go, I'm going. The hotel you book into, I'm booking into. The God you worship, I'll worship. The people you claim as your own, I'll claim as my own. Where you die, I'll die. Where you're buried, I want to be buried. Now, how do you stop a person like that? Now, Jesus wants you and me to say, where you send me, I'll go. What you tell me to speak, I'll speak. What you tell me to eat, 
I'll eat. How you tell me to dress? I'll dress. How you tell me to spend my money? I'll spend it. When you tell me how to conduct a romantic relationship, I'll do that. Only death can stop me. When this is the mindset, Satan goes after someone he has greater success with. Because a person like that gives the devil a migraine. He doesn't know what to do. Nothing I do will change that person. Shadrach, well, let's give the Hebrew names. Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Nothing uh, Nebuchadnezzar could do. And he, at that point in his life, personified the devil. The threat of death. And those three boys virtually said, we do solemnly swear that we will preserve, protect, and defend the commandment that forbids worshiping idols. Daniel 6, a law was passed. Pray to Darius. Daniel virtually said, I do solemnly swear. I will preserve, protect, defend the law that says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I'll face the lions. The three boys, I'll face death by fire. Jesus Christ, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me nevertheless. Not my will. I'm going to that cross. That's what God wants from you and me. I do solemnly swear, to the best of my ability, I will not take that exam on Sabbath. I do solemnly swear that by the grace of God, when it comes to God and his law, it has to be by his grace. By the grace, I will not work on Sabbath. I was, uh, many years ago, there was a retired minister who was assisting me. I was running a little church outside Detroit, and he was my assistant, retired minister, lovely man. And he and I were talking one Sabbath afternoon after potluck, and he said to me, he said, Old Skeet, many years ago as a young man, I was married, two sons, no job. My wife got jobs cleaning people's houses. I couldn't get a job that did not require Sabbath work, and I had determined not to work on Sabbath. He said, one day I was in the house, my wife was working, cleaning someone's house, and I looked at my two little boys just watching me. And he told me these words. He said, I said to God, I will watch those two sons of mine starve to death before I work on Sabbath. When he said that to me, he was about 88, 89, a strange strength came over him. You see him, he pumped his arm. I will watch them starve to death before I work on Sabbath. Veins bulging in his neck. And I said, man, this man is serious. There's nothing the devil can do with him. I was told a story in the 1970s or the 80s. After Amin was thrown out in Uganda, a fellow called Milton Oboti came back into rule and his soldiers would do whatever they wanted to do. They would come from house to house, abduct girls and take them away and whatever else and, and, or take away people who were worshipping on the Sabbath. And one night they came to a house looking for Adventists or Christians. Any Christians in this house? They said no. Then the soldier said, who lives next door? They said, there's an old man. Is he a Christian? Yes, he's an Adventist. The soldiers said, okay, let's go get him. The people said, you're wasting your time. You're wasting time. There is nothing you can do to that old man to get him to stop worshiping God. And the soldiers just left him alone. Went off to another house. Now, it's not a funny story, but I want to stress, they realized they would have to shoot that old man. I'm keeping the Sabbath. Kill me. But this is not strange. Down through the years, martyrs have said, we do solemnly swear that we will preserve, protect, 
and defend the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. And they went to the stake. They burned. They went to the Roman, uh, what's that, Colosseum eaten by lions. Taken into dens by the Inquisition and torn in pieces. Because they were determined. I will preserve, protect, and defend the constitution of God's government, his law. Let me tell you again at 12.13, there is soon to come upon this world a situation that will require each of us to say, I do solemnly swear that I will preserve, protect, defend the constitution of God's government, or I do unwillingly agree to Preserve, protect, and defend the constitution of this country, which will include at that point a man-made Sabbath. And you and I will have to choose between obeying God and obeying man. Acts 5.29, we ought to obey God rather than man. The Bible never calls us to be rebellious. It calls us to be obedient. And sometimes, frequently, obedience to God, well, all the time, brings us into conflict with the enemy of our souls. You are young, and young people are brave and courageous and sometimes fearless. Should I give you this statistic? I was listening to a young man on television. He had broken his legs, and he was saying, why? I think he was door dashing or something like that. And there were some young men in the house where he went. They were doing some silly stuff, jumping off roofs and whatever they do. And uh, they asked him to do it. <laughs> and well, he jumped. They said, ah, can you jump higher from a higher height? And because there were several young guys watching him, he felt, I had to do it. So he jumped from a higher height and now had two broken legs. What am I saying to you? Young people are willing to take risks. Not because they're bad, because they're exploring the world. God says, fine, take that risk for me. Take that risk for me. If you lose your life, you lose it for me. He that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. But I'm not calling upon you to lose your life. I'm calling upon you to adopt a frame of mind that in all that you do and say, you will say in your heart, I do solemnly swear by the grace of God that I will preserve, protect, and defend the constitution of God's government. And what is that constitution? The law of God. In the judgment, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. The standard in the judgment is the law of God. But let me tell you this before I close, before you accuse me of legalism. Is Jesus the bread, yes or no? Yes. Is Jesus the shepherd, yes or no? Is he the vine? Is he the door? Is he the sheep? He's also the law. Ah, you missed it, my fault. Jesus is the law. Question for you. Where was the liver placed in the sanctuary system? Where was the liver? The outer court. Was that holy? Yes, but it was as holy as a holy place? No. Where was the table of shoe bread? Was that holy? Holier than the outer court? Yes, but as holy as the holy, holiest? No. 
Where was the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the seven branch candelabrum? The holy place. Where's the altar of incense? The holy place. All altar of incense, prayer. The candelabrum, the light of the word, the, the, um, the shoe bread, the word of God. The laver, the water, Christ is the living water. The altar of sacrifice, Calvary. What was in the most holy place? The law. Now think with me. Could not God have put the law in the outer court? Uh, I'm all by myself. Nobody's listening. Could not God have put the law in the outer court? Yes. He could have put it in the holy place. He put it in the most holy. Why? Because the entire problem of sin has to do with violation of God's law. And if the veil represents Christ, hmm? if the altar of sacrifice represents Christ, if that shoe bread represents Christ, if the incense represents Christ, if the candelabrum represents Christ, surely the law, finish my words, represents Christ. L.Y. says Christ was both the law and the gospel. So when you preserve, protect, and defend the law, you are preserving, protecting, and defending the very righteousness of Christ. In colleges... There are organizations called fraternities. And they have a satanic practice called hazing. And people die. People die from this hazing. God doesn't haze. God just calls you to be a part of this heavenly fraternity or sorority. Give your life to me. And be willing to die for me. This is not symbolic language. Be willing literally to die for me. To die rather than sin. I solemnly swear that I will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, defend the constitution of God's government. I do solemnly swear or affirm, to the best of my ability, I will preserve protect and defend the historical teachings of this church. I do solemnly swear that by the grace of God, to the best of my ability, I will preserve, protect, defend everything OHA stands for. And by the grace of God, I do solemnly swear that I will preserve, protect, and defend others from any negative influence I may exert. My brothers and sisters, God needs people whose entire life is a defense of his law, is a defense of righteousness. How many of you will say with me, by the grace of God, now it's not necessary for an earthly government, but for God's government, by the grace of God, to the best of my ability, I will preserve, protect, Defend the constitution of God's government. Can I see your right hand? Mm-hmm. I believe you're serious. Stand up with me. Your age makes no difference. No difference at all. Heads bowed. Eyes closed. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you to God for the high standard you've set for us. 
It shows us what a loving father you are. Because as verily as earthly parents set high standards for their children, you have set a high standard for us. It is your very character, your very righteousness. That's why we're told in the scriptures, let this mind be in you. We're told to partake of your holiness. We're told that we may partake of the divine nature. Father, we are heavenly citizens temporarily stranded on this earth. We're pilgrims on our way home. But while we are temporarily stranded there, God, we ask you to give us the mind of Christ who preserved, protected, and defended with his life the constitution of his father's government. Please, God, give us that seriousness of mind, that intense devotion to you, that we might say in everything we do, and it might be seen without any verbal communication, that we are preserving, protecting, and defending the constitution of God's government. And that constitution is his law, but ultimately the law is Christ. Please, God, give us an affection for your government. Give us a love for your law. As David says in Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how love I thy law. Let us understand the law is really Christ within. Bless everyone who's listened to this message. Bless those with a particular struggle in their lives, dear God. We may look sinless, we may look like saints, but we all have private struggles. Help your sons and your daughters, dear God. Grant them victory over their struggles. And as we leave this service, let's meditate on what we've heard. And let us remember, by the grace of God, to the best of our ability, humanity cooperating with divinity, we will preserve, protect, and defend the constitution of God's government. That constitution is his law, and that law is personified in Jesus Christ himself. Hear this humble prayer, Father. Bless all that we will do for the remainder of this day. Let's do it in a way that glorifies your name. I pray from my heart in Jesus' name. Let God's people say, Amen and Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org